0: Yep. And welcome back to Talking Knicks, a special edition, I guess. It's not one of our midweek episodes that Tommy Piccolo has been running with. That's going to be coming later in the week. It's just Poppy Patrone today, Jake Storelli, Jake Storey, however you know me. And it's because A, I can. Uh, it's part of the reason we have this platform. And B,. The Knicks kind of own the sports news cycle today. Um, it, it's unfortunately, it was very LOL Knicks. Um, it was after we recorded last night. The Knicks got blown out by the Cleveland Cavaliers. We started recording at halftime, and we recorded throughout the show. If you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. Uh, maybe it'll be funny to, to see the series of events. But right when we turned off the microphones... We heard that Mills and Perry, the, the Knicks front office, uh, stepped up to the podium and were addressing the media, and we didn't really know what that meant at the time. And we come to find out today that they came out and basically said, uh, with, with so many words saying that Fisdale's job was on the hot seat, or at least that's how it was translated through everyone in the media, and and the media was right because uh, basically they came out and they said that uh, you know they were expecting a lot more from this team, and they expect a lot more soon. And it's kind of funny how how quickly for them, because in 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 their heads, uh, I think it went. They were like, you know what, we're we're just gonna try to light a fire a little bit, maybe motivate this team, get them going. And by the time it got through the media, everyone was like, what? You thought this Knicks team was going to be good? And, uh, and and I think it's just, it needs to be talked about. It's been on my head all day, and maybe this is just an outlet for me, and I'm looking to find some answers, but it's it's the story of Nick's land, and I, I've been cycling through so much stuff today, so... Uh, if it's on your mind, I'll I'll talk my way through it. Maybe I'll have some good points, and maybe you'll have some good points for me. Feel free to tweet at me, at Talkin' Jake. I put some Nick stuff out there today. And le- let's go to Fizdale, um, because I think I have been a tough critic of David Fizdale. Uh You know, you could point to a lot of the young guys. You could point to the Knicks offense, the Knicks defense, and... There's only so much you could point to and be like, David Fisdale. Um, and and it also is the tricky part of being a coach, right? Because, I mean, Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson was a second-round pick. Nobody knew who he was. He's adapted to the league pretty well. Does that credit go to David Fisdale? I don't know. I mean, I think some of it does. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it was kind of Mitchell Robinson coming into the league and proving himself. So that's where coaching gets tricky, um, the offense as a whole ha- hasn't been super pretty since he's joined the Knicks. Uh, the defense has been very bad. And where it also gets tricky, again, is the rest of the roster. Not, not very impressive. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Um, but with David Fisdale, he was hired, and it was known by everybody at the time, He was hired because he was well-liked by players in the league. And we knew about the free agent crop coming up. Here we are, and as you know, we don't have Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving uh, or or any of those players that that were free agents. Well, that's me lying. We do have Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Alfred Payton, Taj Gibson, Wayne Ellington, Reggie Bullock. Um, I left someone out there. It's it's seven guys. Marcus Morris, excuse me, and they kind of pretended like that was the plan for a little bit, and and it where all of this cycles into. And I, this probably won't be the last time I say this, but is is organ organizational dysfunction. And David Fizdale was clearly hired. He's not known as incredible X's and O's guy. Um, We're in this age of analytics, and his famous quote is, take that for data. And the free agent crop comes and goes. This upcoming season, by the way, after the year, is a very thin free agent crop, uh, so that's kind of out. And so now we have a coach that was brought in because he's supposed to be friends with some of the elite NBA players or well-respected, friendly, wherever you want to land on it. And we don't have them. So, a couple things. I I mean, is David Fisdale a good coach? I think there's a lot stronger argument for no than yes. The no argument has been the results. The potential yes argument, which brings us back to the players, is that the players aren't good. And, uh, I mean, taking a step away from that, I mean, are these players talented? Yes, but I... This year's team, these guys don't know how to play together. And is that on Fizdale? We're 10, 10 games in. um, And that's, I, I said this a couple episodes ago, and I pointed at the Golden State Warriors, and I said, you know, Steve Kerr, they're also 2-8 and eight right now. Steve Kerr is looking, you know, he he's one of the most respected coaches in the league at this point. And you know what? He doesn't look as impressive without Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, you know the guys that built that Warriors dynasty. So that's kind of the catch 22 with Fizdale. And I I actually want to say, you know, sometimes the media can be problematic. I don't even know if I'm part of the media yet. Uh, almost hey, 12,000 followers on Twitter. I, I guess I I guess I can say something. I'm saying something into this mic right now. Most of those are baseball, but we're getting there with basketball folks. And for me, it's it's tough because, well, no, the good part about the media is that they came out today and basically defended Fizdale. <laughs> they said, you know, look at what you've given him to work with and what has he done. Now, again, this sends us in circles. You know, is Fizdale a quality coach? Uh, you know, I there's not really a, a certain player or X's and O's or anything in particular that I can point to and say yes. Um, but let, let's go to the front office now. So they hold the press conference. You know, they still think this team can be good. And what does that mean? Competitive in the East? I think that was the phrase that was thrown out. And, I mean, we, we have a Knicks podcast here, and we have a group of guys that have been tuned into the Knicks for a long time, and... We're fans. I mean, this this is podcast. This is this is what we like. It's that we can be critical but also have a lot of fun with it. We can, you know, it, if someone is playing bad, you can say, like, that sucks. Like, you don't have to be media and be like, well, he really has to work on this because it doesn't look right right now. It's like, no, that sucks that he's missing those shots or whatever it may be. And we came into the season, the over-under in Vegas, I believe, was 30 or 29 and a half. And I think all of us said an answer between 28 and 33. And I think only one of those was 33. I think everything else was 31. Because we did bring in talented bodies. I mean, Julius Randle was a 21-7 and guy last year, something like that. Wayne Ellington had some impressive shooting numbers. Uh, Marcus Morris is one of the more respected players in the league. And, hey, maybe (laughs) there's a chance... And this is very unlol LOL Knicks that in a week and a half, we laugh at this press conference because maybe it does spark a little bit of a fire. And it better because the Knicks next four games, the Chicago Bulls, Dallas Mavericks, Charlotte Hornets and Cleveland Cavaliers. A, the Bulls and the Mavericks are the two teams they've beaten so far this season. So they got a chance. Uh, the Hornets and Cavs, uh, although the Cavs just dominated them in the Garden, those are two winnable games. And, you know, the, there is a chance that the Knicks win three out of four and they point at the press conference and we're just like, yeah, you know, we were trying to light a fire. Um, here's where things get scary. And I actually did this on the end of the last podcast, but I, I think it's worth hearing. So I mentioned those. There's there's four winnable games there, Bulls, Mavs, Hornets, Cleveland. Then, at Philly, San Antonio, Brooklyn, Toronto, Philly, Boston, Milwaukee, Denver, Indiana, at Portland, at Golden State, which is kind of a winnable game, but this is actually a big West Coast trip, so that's a factor. At Sacramento, at Denver Nuggets, home against Atlanta. I just brought us to that that home against Atlanta game is December 17th. Um, so that's like six weeks out. So we've got four games and then basically a full month of extremely difficult games uh, against kind of a who's who in the NBA right now. And I think this is the A plus B equals C that happened in the media today. They they came out with this press conference that says they expect more from the team. And everyone said, how how? What what are you expecting? And and then if you look at the schedule, there's nothing to expect. Um, I mean again, like I said, knock on wood if you're with me, maybe they win three out of the next four games. But after that, I mean you're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen games that the Knicks won't be favored in. Um, and only <laughs> on paper, about one and a half of them look winnable at all. So we, that's, that's kind of what we walked away with today, is that David Fisdale seems like a dead duck. Uh, th- those press conferences, you rarely bounce back from them. And it's tough. It, uh, I mean, there's there's still not a huge argument for David Fisdale, like I was saying earlier, but uh, everything has now flipped uh, on the Knicks front office. And I think with Scott Perry, uh, there's a little less pressure on him. He He was brought in. He has a pretty good NBA pedigree, if you don't know. He goes back to uh, the Detroit Pistons, uh, Big Ben Wallace, Rip Hamilton, Tayshaun Prince, Chauncey. Um, He was a member of the executive team during that run, um, six Eastern Conference Finals. He then went to the Supersonics. He was part of the Kevin Durant draft pick. He went to Orlando, a lot of the young players On Orlando, he was a part of getting them there. He drafted Victor Oladipo, Aaron Gordon. Um, So he's got a pretty decent NBA track record, and he's climbed the ladder a little bit. And I think the bigger thing with Scott Perry is he answers to Steve Mills, who answers to James Dolan. Um, And Steve Mills, if you're not super familiar, um, I mean, he kind of, he entered... Uh he's well, he played college basketball at Princeton. I can read you the whole wiki if you really want it. Uh smart guy. Went to Princeton, uh worked outside of basketball and then came into the NBA. Um not doing basketball stuff. He was an account executive and then he got involved in MSG and all that. Uh day to day operations and yeah, so he's been affiliated with the Knicks in day to day operations since two thousand three. Um, he left briefly to do some stuff with Magic Johnson. Came back in 2013, executive vice president and general manager. Um, and then in 2017, they brought Scott Perry on uh, to kind of to take over f- for where Phil Jackson left off. Um, so that's, if, if you didn't know, that's kind of what's going on up there. But Mills is kind of the target here because he if you're putting all that together, he's been around this Knicks organization for a while. And he is the one that has James Dolan's ear. And that's a tough position for a lot of reasons. And I I don't think I can, I don't think I have the heart to do a whole Dolan thing today. I I think I might wrap up with that in a couple minutes. Uh, But Mills... I don't think he can make it through this season, and we're we're going to find out how attached to James Dolan he is, because after today, everyone's calling for his head, because they basically just threw David Fisdale in front of a bus, saying they, they basically gave a how could you not be winning with this team when anyone else that knows the NBA knows that you shouldn't be winning with this team. And I, I think something, something that we were laughing at on one of the previous podcasts, or, or actually maybe I didn't bring it to the podcast, I think I was just talking about it in our next chat, when we lost to Detroit, they didn't have Derrick Rose, they didn't have Reggie Jackson, they didn't have Blake Griffin, uh, arg- arguably three of their best four players, two point guards, and Blake Griffin is the best player on their team when he's right. And I almost wanted to do a fun exercise, which was, if you took the best player off of every NBA team, would they still be better than the Knicks? And it's a sick exercise, and if you're listening to this at work, or or even if you're driving in your car and or walking the dog and you know NBA teams pretty well, just kind of go around the league and, and take the best player off their team and see... You know, see if you'd rather take that team or the Knicks. And that's removing, <laughs> you know, 30 of the, 29 of the league's best players. I know it's not exactly like that because we obviously have some super teams. But when you go through an exercise like that, I think it just brings up how alarming it truly is with the Knicks. And I, I ended up in a wormhole today. And I, I do think it's it's one of the few things I took from the business world is that top organizations are run from the top down. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, If you have a CEO you don't respect, I mean, the trickle-down effect happens from there. An owner you don't respect, or someone that's just bad at their job. I I used to travel a lot for work, and I'd go check out different regions of our company, and basically within a half hour of going to just a a regional area branch, I could tell if this region was well-run or not. Um, It it was pretty wild. So I do believe in that, and that's my experience. And the one consistent thing is James Dolan. And we all know this. I'm not breaking news to anyone uh, who's a Knicks fan listening to a podcast. But it's – I've lost words. I mean, I'm talking to myself right now with the LaCroix and my dog next to me, but I lose words thinking about James Dolan and – you just hear all these petty stories about security guards talking to fans because they're saying, fire Dolan, and he, he's got this like pettiness to him, not in a good way, like not in a competitive way, and it, it's mind-blowing. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it ever ends. I, I don't know if Knicks fans can get loud enough, if he'll allow them to get loud enough to, to get him away from the basketball because I, I just think if he's there... We're never going to find whatever it is, whatever we're looking for. I don't even know, you know, some, some of these guys that we talk ourselves into as basketball players, I, there's times when it feels like I've been wearing a blindfold watching basketball, and I, I don't even know what good basketball looks like sometimes because I've been inundated with this. And that made me pretty sad, and it, and it should make me sad. I felt sad for Walt Clyde Frazier and Mike Breen today because they've been covering the Knicks for 20 plus years now. And if you had told them that 20 years ago, they'd be like, awesome. We are going to cover some of the next great Knicks basketball teams. And they have not. <laughs> they have not. Um, they've seen a lot of bad basketball. And I don't know. I I, I tweeted this out earlier and I, I think I'll probably end up wrapping up here just because um I I wanted to compare the Knicks and the Spurs today. Um which is which is a little unfair. You you compare most NBA teams to the Spurs, they're going to end up looking bad. The Spurs have been the class of the NBA. I mean, they're the New England Patriots. They're they're whatever you want to compare them to. And I I just went through some of the stats since 2000. The Knicks, so the year 2000, we're talking 19 seasons. The Knicks have had four winning seasons. Um, in that time period San Antonio 19 They haven't had a losing season NBA titles Knicks you know it's zero San Antonio 4 Head coaches The Knicks have had 12 different head coaches That does count interims But 12 coaches in 19 seasons The Spurs have had one Greg Popovich uh, You know that And again a little unfair It's well known Greg Popovich is essentially the best coach in the league, but that started 20 years ago when they gave him an opportunity to go do it. Um, And then this is where my mind started racing a little bit, lottery picks. The Knicks have had nine lottery picks in these past 19 seasons, which, A, means they've traded away a ton of picks, um, and the couple years they haven't been in there. But lottery picks have been this sexy term in the NBA ever since – The 76ers tanked um, the process and all of that, and NBA teams are like, yeah, let's just tank, we'll load up, we'll be good in five years, whatever it is. The San Antonio Spurs have had zero lottery picks in this time period. Zero, not one. Which just shows that so much of it goes into being a well-run organization, and the Knicks are clearly not that. They're one of the worst in pro sports. It's down to them, the Browns, and the Redskins. Um, and my final stat I took from Knicks and Spurs, GM slash executives that essentially are running the team. The Knicks have had seven in 19 years. The Spurs have had two. R.C. Buford, who's well-known throughout the league, if, if you follow NBA or Spurs basketball. The other one it was Greg Popovich. He used to have <laughs> he used to have coaching <laughs> and executive power. So it's essentially one if if you don't count him. So I don't know. I I don't know. I I I say this on a lot of the podcasts. Sometimes I start talking hoping it, hoping that I walk into the answers and there isn't one right now. Um I know in our Knicks chat today we talked about it a little bit uh hopefully you know, you know, it's do you start eyeing 2020-2021 season? Uh, do you start eyeing 21-22? Um, you know, people are talking about the Greek freak and free agency. It feels like we have a while to get there. Um, for me, you know, uh, uh, so much has been talked about the Nets model and how the Nets built kind of a solid team and a solid organization and they built some guys up to to they, they got to a certain point where they were appealing to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and and now they have those guys. Durant's obviously out for the season, but next year they're going to be one of the favorites in the NBA. And I just think, like, it, all right, who who's who listening? Knows the Nets head coach? If you're by yourself, you you probably got it. Maybe you didn't. It's Kenny Atkinson. Not a household name. Um, You know, when he was given the Nets job, there was a lot of people that were skeptical. He wasn't super well-known. The Nets kind of got off to a rough start last year, and people were like, oh, Kenny Atkinson, who's this guy? But guess what? It was someone the organization actually believed in, that he could grow with that team. And that's what we need. It can't be a flashy hire. The flashy hire has never worked for the Knicks. Um, You know, I I heard a lot of Mark Jackson rumors today. If you haven't heard the Stephen A rant, and this is probably part of the reason I'm doing this, go listen to it. I I used to be a little bit of a Stephen A hater. You know, obviously, like the early days of, um, you know, hot takes and him and Skip Bayless going back and forth, first take. That's the opposite of podcasting. That's, you know, obviously didn't like that. If you have a dentist appointment and you got to get out of work for a little bit, Check out Stephen A. Smith and his opener and his show a little bit because it is it is honestly amazing entertainment. His passion, what he brings by himself, it's it's unbelievable. It's incredible. And his opening rant on the Knicks today uh, was as powerful as they come. And you know it, he takes it personal because he's literally lumped with this organization. And, and that's kind of the part I'm getting to. I, I'm not going to say I'm lumped with the Knicks organization. <laughs> I think if you're listening, you you know I'm a Knicks fan. Um, I just don't know. I, I mean, bring in, uh, I, like I said, I, I think Mills after this, he has to be gone. Um, if we could somehow <sighs> somehow get Dolan a step away further from the team, Um Perry, you know, and again there's some there is some stuff with the young guys here. Um Frank, he's taken some some baby steps forward. We like that. Knox has some numbers you could talk yourself into. Mitch Rob has been good. He just hasn't been able to play a lot with the early injury and then he got the concussion. Um RJ Barrett looks really talented. So I'm naming a couple good young pieces that hey, guess what? We're going to be high in the lottery again this year. You know? And, and we're gonna have another piece. And then, you know, are are we once these guys are able to be traded, I wanna say it's December fourteenth for for the new guys on the team, the Marcus Morris's portis and stuff like that. Can we turn those into assets? Um is the team going how is the team gonna be functioning by that point of the season? And um it, it is tough because I I know on Talking Knicks we talked ourselves into this year a little bit just because we are like, well, this product is going to be better. We brought in NBA players, Alfred Payton, uh, Wayne Ellington, Marcus Morris, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, uh, Reggie Bullock. I always forget one along the way, but I kind of like that. Julius Randle, my God, Uh, he's been tough to watch so far. I don't think he's going. Hopefully he figures it out a little bit more, but I don't know. Um, you'd like to see a system. Remember when Brad Stevens took over the Celtics, you know, they were, they knew they were going to be bad for a couple years, but they knew they were going to establish a system and an ideology and things they believed in. Um, the Nets with Atkinson, they built something there. The Knicks have to build something if they want to go anywhere. No star is coming in and saving this organization. Um, unless it's, you know, four years from now and the Knicks are able to draft Bronny Jr. And LeBron. four years from now, that 40-year-old LeBron comes and they run something. And I don't think we want that either, people. So um, I don't know. I, I don't know if this was just for me or m- maybe this helped you cope a little bit with the LOL Knicks stuff we saw today. Um, it's tough. It, it's really tough. My, my baseball team is the Yankees. I, I'm used to a lot of success there, and even even those fans are starting to lose their minds a little bit because they haven't won a championship since 2009. The Knicks would kill for that. Um, I don't know. It, m- maybe this was just for me. Maybe this helped you clear a couple things up because um, there is, you know, there are a couple moving parts here with the executives, Dolan, the players involved in all of this. And uh, yeah, I guess for this next week cross your fingers a little bit that the Knicks could get a couple W's because if they don't, um, David Fisdale, Fisdale could be gone very soon. Um, and the Knicks, the Knicks could go on a losing streak that could get you. If you thought today was LOL Knicks, uh, things, things can still get worse. So, uh, that's, that's a tough spot to end the podcast. Um, if you listen to this, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Leave a review. Leave leave LOL Knicks. Leave L O L Jake. Leave leave something else weird. I said this podcast. Um we are going to have the midweek pod coming up. Tommy Piccolo. I think he's gonna be joined by Greg Poon. We'll talk a little hoops. They'll they'll talk a little more of the hoops. Maybe they'll touch upon this a little bit, get their opinions. Um but yeah, let's uh chin up. <laughs> just just another day being a Knicks fan. Again, I'm Jake Storielli. Thank you. We'll see you guys next time.